Today on Locked on Twins, we're going to empty out the mailbag. So sit tight, buckle up, because that's coming up right now on Locked on Twins, your team every day. You are Locked on Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hello again, and welcome back to Locked On Twins, part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Brandon Warren, and today we are going to empty out the mailbag. So you have all sent just tremendous questions, and I'm going to get to as many of them as I can. Hopefully you checked out our crossover episode with Locked On Guardians that came out on Thursday. Had a little fun with the guys just talking about what we expect from each of our respective teams that we cover. So check that out. Next week, we'll be having a roundtable discussion, the entire division, so keep your eyes peeled for that as well. As a reminder, please be active in the comments if you can, if you feel like it. I'd like to have the conversation going in there, uh, chat with you, you guys chat with me, bouncing some ideas off each other. We'll also end every episode with a question for the road that you can discuss in the comments as well. And if you have comments, or questions that you'd like addressed on the show, don't hesitate to ask. Hit me up in the comments, Twitter, wherever you can get a hold of me. Hit me up, and I will do my best to answer them, either in a mailbag episode such as this one, or in the third segment of all of our shows leading up to the regular season. Now, before we get started, we need to talk about FanDuel. Today's episode is actually brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, This episode is uh, excuse me FanDuel is the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com/lockedon today to get started. If you are into March Madness like a lot of people are and <laughs> if you're not it'd be a good time to get into it. There's been a one seed and a two seed that have lost in the first round. Um good time to get into it. What better way to get into it than to kind of feel your way through with a parlay like um again fanduelcom slash Locked on to get started. Well, it's good to see you guys again. Um, let's just dive right into these questions. I think that um, you guys sent some some really, really strong questions. Uh, the first one we're going to look at is Andrew Woodard wanting to know, is it strange that Byron Buxton has played zero spring training games? I feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like we've been kind of tiptoeing around the subject, not necessarily from a media standpoint, because I'm not down in Fort Myers, as you can probably tell if you're watching on YouTube. But I feel like the elephant in the room is what does it mean? And my my hope or my guess is that maybe he gets into the last four, five, six games, almost like a rehab stint. And that Basically, he'll get enough swings, knock on wood, fingers crossed, to get his timing and everything. It sounds like he's been working hard on the backfields. So they're trying something different, I think, is basically the general approach, which, like they did with Paparesta, the the trainer in the first place, if something's not working, why continue doing it? So I think it's a similar <clears throat> concept to what they've tried with Jorge Polanco, Alex Kirloff. They're just backing off these guys. I I don't know. Is, is hands-off the right approach? Is hands-on the right approach? 
is somewhere in between the right approach. I feel like somewhere in between is kind of what they did before. So they're trying something different. Hopefully it pans out because they need Byron Buxton badly this season to get wherever they're going. So is it what I call it strange? I would say a little, not a lot, but it's definitely got, you know, me kind of raising my eyebrow. Let's just, let's just say that uh, Buxton season wants to know what will the twins infield look like on opening day. And so I think that's an interesting question because Jorge Polanco hasn't really shown us anything this spring and we still don't really have an idea if Jose Miranda is going to be full time at third base, if he's going to have to move around or anything like that, I guess what it's going to come down to is does Donovan Solano play first base on opening day because Alex Kirloff isn't ready. Does Jose Miranda move over and Kyle Farmer plays third? I'm assuming they'll face a righty, either Brady Singer or probably Zach Greinke on opening day. So I would assume it would be, um, you know, their standard versus righty lineup. We don't have to consider that Kyle Farmer hits well against lefties or anything like that. Um, So I'm going to go with... I hate to say it, but I kind of feel like Donovan Solano is going to be at first base. Jorge Polanco at second, Carlos Correa at short, Jose Miranda at third. I I really want to say Alex Kirloff at first base, but I feel like of the three guys who've been kind of held back this spring, Kirloff is the one I have the least amount of optimism about. And it's not because of quality of player type of player he is. It's just the wrist stuff is just such a a nagging, prolonged injury to come back from. And he's had different procedures. He's had different he's, – he's missed a lot of time from a wrist, which I'm sure has to be extremely frustrating because it's, it's such a small part of your body from – on such a big guy, big, strong, powerful guy, but his wrist just won't hold up. So, yeah, I'm going Donovan Solano at first, Jorge Polanco at second, Carlos Correa at short, and Jose Miranda at third um at hovey evan wants to know oliver ortega has been looking pretty good in the small sample size of spring training is he likely to be in the running for that last reliever spot if he does well um not really a name i've been thinking about that much we did see dennis santana uh dropped from the 40-man roster and actually uh, claimed by the Mets, who <laughs> have had a run of bad luck if you've been under a rock not watching the World Baseball Classic. Um, so it does open a 40-man spot. Now, does that 40-man spot go to someone like Ortega? I think it's more likely to go to someone like Jeff Hoffman or Danny Coulomb. The, they they have kind of that, um, that bunch of really solid veteran um, – non-roster invitee types, Jose De Leon. Uh, I think it's going to be one of those guys. Ortega is interesting. I mean, I I thought the stuff was especially interesting, you know, um, but I don't think he's at the forefront of that list. But again, I think he's in the conversation. Also, too, I mean, he's pitched well, but he's struck out coming into today one batter in four innings. So he's not overpowering. Um, He's given up a, a homer. You know, four innings doesn't really tell us that much. Um, although I will say this baseball references projections for him, three, seven, seven ERA and 43 innings with about a strikeout per inning and a one, three Oh whip. You could do a lot worse than that. Five home runs and 43 innings. I mean, 
those numbers are better than what Emilio Pagan would give you. So I think Ortega's got a shot to do some um, some good things for the Twins at some point this season. I just I don't think it's going to be right away. And if we saw anything last year with the Twins, they're going to roll deep into that bullpen because we saw there were times where Juan Manaya, Jarrell Cotton, Tyler Thornburg were all up throwing innings that they really had no business to throw last year. So I don't see Ortega being in that mix for the last reliever spot. But if he's solid at St. Paul, there's really no reason they won't eventually give him a look. Again, knock on wood, they stay healthy and, and guys like Jorge Alco come back and perform. But if they don't, the Twins are fairly well insulated against that. Although I do know some of these guys have opt-outs. I know Danny Coulomb has one. I want to say it's uh, about nine days from now, March 26th. And, and then there are a few different for Jeff Hoffman. I, I have them in front of me. He's got multiple opt-outs, though. I kind of think it'll be Hoffman, honestly, because uh, he was pretty good with the Reds last year until he got dinged up a little bit at the end of the season. Like, he wasn't great. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't great, but he was fairly solid. He's got some pitching acumen, pitching um, prospect shine still on him, if you want to call it that. Uh, I, I guess I probably wouldn't call it shine at this point. But um, to me, Jeff Hoffman probably gets that nod. Although I did see someone talk about Kenta Maeda today. And, you know, I got some grief over my Bailey Ober bullpen take, which was a bold take, I might add. It was not me trying to be like, this is going to happen. It was just me thinking out loud. We've seen Kenta work out of the bullpen before. You know, that's a, a prime sticking point of why he wanted to kind of move on from the Dodgers in the first place. But now that he's in his mid-30s, now that he's coming off a of Tommy John surgery, now that we don't know if it would be smarter to try to get 100 innings out of him, in 30 starts, 25 starts, as opposed to 60 innings from him in 55-ish relief appearances. I don't know what the right answer is because I don't know what you should be able to expect of a guy coming off TJ and a workload and how the roster spots all come together with guys who are out of options and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, Kent is going to be a fairly important part of this team if he can stay healthy. I just don't know, you know, guys, 35, I think. Um, is it asking too much of him to pitch a couple times a week? Uh, sporadic usage, you know, two days on, one day off, one day on, one day off, one day on, three days off. I, I don't know what the right answer is, but um, I guess that's a long-winded way of saying I don't think Oliver Ortega is going to be on the opening day roster, but I also am curious how the bullpen's going to shake out because – you know, guys like Trevor McGill still have options. He was decent last year, but I don't think he's in, in any way a slam dunk. So we'll see. Um, before we move on to the rest of our questions in the second segment here, let's talk a little bit about Ultimate Pro Baseball GM. And if you haven't downloaded this game yet, you can go probaseballgm.com or look it up in your app stores, whatever phone you have. Um I download it on my iPhone. It's an absolute blast. And our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when they use the promo code LOCKED ON. No space, all caps, LOCKED ON in the game store. So, Ultimate Baseball GM promo code LOCKED ON in all caps. I'm telling you, this is a, this is a fun game. It's not quite as in depth as some of the other ones you've played, but for someone who maybe doesn't want to spend an entire day, enthralled in one of these games this is the game for you so check it out 
And let's let's talk to our friend Devlin here. He wants to know what do we see as a problem area or an area of concern for the Twins this year? Maybe not the biggest or most obvious one, but one that could impact the season. Huh. I mean, <clears throat> what I like about this team is depth. And I've said that in multiple platforms on this show, other shows, writing, you name it. And I still think that's true. But we're, you know, they have enough infield help that I think they could be okay if they lose a guy for a stretch. Obviously, Byron Buxton is really, I wouldn't say, you know, I would say he's he's pretty make or break. The Twins have a pretty clear difference with when he's on the field and when he's not. But that one's kind of obvious. Um, I still think that the, the rotation is a little too shaky injury-wise for me. I don't know how you address that. Like, I like Tyler Malley. I like Sonny Gray. I love Pablo Lopez. Joe Ryan, awesome. Kenta Maeda, great. Bailey Ober, better than you could have ever expected. But most of those guys have missed time in the last year plus due to something. Like, Joe Ryan's been durable. Sonny Gray's, in general, fairly durable. But I think Pablo's pretty durable. But... They're going to need Mally. They're going to need Kenta or Bailey Ober because and, and I, know, I don't subscribe to the idea that they have to have an ace, but if you go with depth, that depth has to suit you. Um, you know, I like Louis Varland. I like Simeon Woods Richardson. I think those guys can help you. And I think it's, it's a l- somewhat similar to what they did in 2019 where they rolled with depth and then they had, um, you know, Randy Dobnak, Lewis Thorpe. They had a number of guys on the outside looking in who had at least, um, actually, I think, I'm, I think I'm wrong with Dobnak. It was Thorpe and a couple other guys with big league experience who were just kind of on the outside looking in. Anytime you can have that level of depth, um, that's great, but it still doesn't mean that you have that high-end pitcher who can kind of be your stopper. Do I think Pablo Lopez could be that guy? Possibly. I wouldn't say it's probable, but it's definitely possible. So for me, the rotation, again, if you lean on depth, it can pretty quickly be thinned out. With that said, um, you know, I, I think they've got enough guys who can come up and help. It's just a matter of, you know, that that might be a fairly sizable drop off if Sonny Gray or Tyler Malley's out for a chunk of the season and you have to go to one of the kids. So Depth in theory is good, but when it gets tested, you still have to answer the call, if that makes sense. Um, But with that said, uh, yeah, I really do like the depth of this team and think that um, they're in a good spot right now. It's hard for me to see too many glaring issues outside of, as we mentioned in the first segment, getting guys onto the field who haven't this far, uh, thus far in spring training. Um, Brandon Walzer wants to know, do you believe Jorge Polanco is here through the end of the season? Um, and he talks about injury history, uh, possible walk year, infield depth. You know, you talk about Brooks Lee, Royce Lewis, maybe helping the team in some form or fashion sooner rather than later. Um, so Brandon Walzer says he thinks it's hard to imagine he's here until the end. Hmm. So I still think that, that he's a, uh, an important part of this team for this season. Honestly, 
I think he is here through the end of the season and possibly end of the contract with options and all that. Just because he's such he's he's one of their hitters that's um he's established and he's he'll give you a good plate appearance almost every time. The 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 troubles that we see with him and his swings when they get kind of wild is usually when his ankle isn't strong. And so he's kind of, you know, bailing out of the box and struggling, um, pulling off pitches. I, I think the twins still like him and value him enough that they would keep him here longer unless things just go entirely sideways this year with some kind of injury or very significant skill um, erosion, which it could happen. Let's like, let's not rule anything out. I believe he turns 30 in a couple months here, so can't rule it out. But otherwise, I, I think he's here through the end of the season. You know, what would you trade him for? Again, and, and that's the difficult thing I have with any trades that people want to make is right now you don't know what the Twins' needs will be in July, if they'll have any, which I assume they will. They'll have something. Good teams always have that one piece they'd like to add, whether it's because of injuries or because of of you know guys not performing as you had hoped there's a lot of different reasons to to go target guys in july at the deadline but i just think polanco based on how good he's been for how long he's been i think he means a a fair amount to this team that even with the the infield depth that they have um i in the worst case i feel like he could be bumped to kind of a utility role if like, let's just say Brooks Lee or Royce Lewis sets the world on fire. And again, I know people listening hope that would be the case. And I think that would be great. Um, but in that case, I think you're more along the lines of uh, like Solano getting bumped or Kyle Farmer getting bumped or Nick Gordon playing more outfield, that sort of thing. Um, John Lano or Lano, I have to tell me how that's pronounced. Um, if you could extend one of the impending free agents, not including Lopez, and in this case, I'm assuming it means Pablo. Who would it be and when would you try to sign them? Well, so let's bring up one of my favorite websites, Cots Contracts. So it's just C-O-T apostrophe S contracts. It's on Baseball Prospectus. Um, it's actually run by a man who I worked with at Baseball Prospectus named Jeff Houston. I believe he's an attorney in Kansas City. So he has the free agents for the Twins this offseason. I'm just going to pull that up here. All right. So Sonny Gray, Joey Gallo, Tyler Malley. Uh, This says Pablo Lopez Arb3. I'd have to check that. Michael Taylor. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, Emilio Pagan, Kent Maeda, Donovan Solano, and that's it. I feel like they might be missing something here. Either way, though, um, Tyler Malley is my answer. But the the problem is when, because if you if you do it now, you can get out in front of if he has a a possibly like a very strong season, and and that's what you hope for but you can't bid based on what you hope for. You have to bid based on or, or, or structure a deal based on protecting yourself in the event that the shoulder flares up, the velo drops and he has to have it cut open. Like, again, that's the last thing you want, but if it happens that 
that's the difference between let's say a five-year deal and 85 million, 75 million and a bridge deal that's probably higher than Chris Paddock's, but not anywhere near that five-year deal that he would get if he has the season he's capable of having this year. But if you wait, and again, I have no, I have no knowledge of, of if he's even interested in an extension right now because he's a year from free agency. Sometimes guys are just like, I'll take my chances. Sometimes guys, and Mally's been one of them, um, you know, they have some injury questions and they're like, all right, I'll hedge. I want to be a hundred million dollar pitcher, but if I'm not healthy and I'm a $30 million pitcher um, over a longer term deal, split the difference. Give me, you know, four years, 72 million and call it good. You know, not breaking the bank, but at the same time, it's a good year to year salary. Um, to me, that would be a comfort zone for with Mally if I had significant reason to believe his shoulder was good. I don't personally have that, but um, you know, I, I hope that uh, the twins in their finite wisdom um, can run those checks and know how confident they are. But Tyler Malley, for me, if you could send him to a four-year deal worth anywhere from 64 to 70 something, I'd be all over that. 575, all over that. Because I just think <clears throat> what he's capable of, if you get him moving in the right direction, is um, is just some truly great things. All right, we'll, we'll wrap up with as many questions as we can get to in the third segment. But let's talk one more time about FanDuel. Again, March Madness going on. So there's a lot of opportunities to log on to FanDuel, use the promo code. Actually, no, it's, it's FanDuel.com and then all caps slash locked on. Uh, first bet. No sweat first bet up to $1,000 um, in your bonus bets if you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Uh, make every moment more. We've seen some incredible moments so far in the NCAAs. The World Baseball Classic has been a lot of fun as long as you're not a Mets fan. Um, lots of fun stuff going on across the sports landscape, and it's only going to heat up as baseball gets going. So, again, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and get your no sweat first bet. Now let's uh, let's take a few more questions before we get out of here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this screen name, and I'm gonna try not to laugh, and I'm gonna try not to be laughed at. Major Painus, P A Y N U S. Hold the applause, please. Uh, wants to know who is the most likely top five prospect to be included in a trade, and what position would you trade them for? So if we go to Twins top thirty, I love the MLB Pipeline's top thirty list. Just because it's easy to digest, it's easy to kind of see levels. Um, they have the FV for for value uh, as far as scouting scores, twenty to eighty, all that fun stuff. Um, <clears throat> out of the top five, so this is the top five: Brooks Lee, Royce Lewis, Emmanuel Rodriguez, Connor Prelip, and Matt Walner. Um, <clears throat> I don't see any way they trade Brooks Lee. At this point, really don't make it doesn't make any sense to trade Royce Lewis. I think they're smitten with Emmanuel Rodriguez. And I think Connor Prelip has too much left to show that he's all the way back for it to make sense. So by process of elimination, it's Matt Walner, but I don't know how interested teams are gonna be in a corner guy 
big, strong guy whose profile is maybe Joey Gallo with a little with without as good a defense. I mean, that that could be a mauler masher corner outfielder, or it could be Daniel Palka. I don't know that teams are really lining up to give up a ton for that. Beyond that, though, I mean, Simeon Woods, Richardson, Marco Raya, Misael Urbina, Matt Cantorino, Louis Varland. The list goes on, and it's – I maintain this. I know they traded a lot of prospect depth, Encarnacion Strand, Steer, um, Steve Hajar, all these guys that a lot of fans have grown attached to in some form or fashion. But they still have enough of a pipeline where they're going to have these guys – as big leaguers. There's, there's enough guys here. I think that can be big league, if not difference makers. Um, they can, they can plug a very significant, very defined role in the big leagues. Um, and probably in a fairly, fairly, uh, quick fashion. I mean, Simeon Woods Richardson, he's only 22, but he is pretty close to a finished product. With that said, um, you know, I could see the twins trading him or Marco Raya, but the problem is that they they have all these possible openings in the rotation next year based on impending free agent Sonny Gray, Tyler Malley, that you're probably hesitant to trade a Simeon Woods Richardson unless you're getting back a significant, very good starting pitcher with years of control. And what's hard for me to envision is who that is. Like I know Twins fans would like, and I know the Twins themselves like and have liked Zach Gallon, but why would the Diamondbacks trade him? There's, it doesn't make any sense. So you have to kind of envision a perfect scenario of a pretty good starting pitcher on a team that's not contending, that's willing to move them, that is worth giving up six years of control of Simeon Woods Richardson. I mean, to me, someone like that might be like a Brady Singer of the Royals, which I don't, don't think that's going to happen. You know, you're in the division. They're a young team trying to make their way up using very good pitching, pitching pipeline. Um, so I don't know. Again, this is, it feels kind of like a cop-out to say, I don't know. But the deadline, first of all, so far from now, it's more than four months away. Um, but right now, the needs of the Twins are just not clear to, to the point where I can feel confident saying, yes, they are going to need this and they're going to trade this. And with that said, who knows? Um, there's a lot of prospects on this Top 30. I mean, Edward Julian at 15th is strange to me. Yasser Mercedes is going to move up that list, I think, very, very quickly. Um, I know Kalai Rosario, a lot of people really like him. He's been crushing the ball at spring training as, uh, you know, one of their guys they call across from the uh, the backfields. There's going to be some guys who pop that are going to be in that conversation as well. And um, so who knows? If come July the the farm system looks a lot different and they need a starting pitcher, that might be the approach is trading some of these guys kind of in that 5 to 10 range. But I don't see Lee going. I don't see Lewis going. And I don't see Emmanuel Rodriguez going. So kind of hamstrung in that top five. All right, Catcher on the Rye wants to know how long before he can fly down from Canada to watch Edouard Julien at Target Field. Similarly, Sean McGuire wants to know, when does he make his debut? At what position and why? I think DH. 
which I've said this in a couple of places, but I think the the secret or not so secret thing is that the Twins want Byron Buxton to DH a fair amount. But either he proves healthy, DH opens up, and Julianne can fill that role for them. First base could be an option. Um, you know, I don't know that you want Donovan Solano playing every day. He can put the ball in play, and he's a decent enough all-around player. But I think he's here to fill a very specific role as opposed to, you know, oh, shoot, Alex Kirilov is hurt. Who's going to play first base every day for three weeks, four weeks? So I would say DH first. DH is my first thought. First base is my second thought. I should clarify instead of just saying first. Um, but it's probably going to be due to injury. If, like, let's say Alex Kirilov gets dinged up, then, you know, pretty quickly you have an opening, whether it's moving Miranda to first and having Julianne at DH, uh, any number of things. But I think Julianne is fairly quickly. It kind of, I kind of get like the Eddie Rosario vibe where he came up in like, I want to say it was May. And the plan was for him to not go back or to not stay. He was going to go back down based on someone being activated from the injured list. And eventually he ended up staying for quite a while. He, he got sent back down. I know a little bit later because he had a real, real bad struggle, maybe a year in something like that. Um, but when I, when I see Rosario coming up, making a, an impact right away with that first, uh, first at bat home run and just kind of um, announcing his presence. I could see Julian doing something like that sometime in the first couple months of this season. Um, Sean wants to know what middle infield prospects players do we keep or trade by July, 2024 too much really at this point to know um, prediction of the lineup on September 1st. I'll just say this. Let's let's talk about the infield, the future of this infield. I think at first it's probably Kirilov or Miranda. At second, I think it's Brooks Lee. At short, it's Carlos Correa. And at third, I think it's Royce Lewis. Um, but that's assuming everything pans out the way we think it will, the way we hope it will. Uh, and in that case, is Julian your DH? Is Larnick your right fielder? Is Buxton your center fielder? Who's your left fielder? Is it Rodriguez? Is it, you know, whoever? Or is Kirilov out there? I don't know. The, the nice thing is that they have enough of these young guys who could, they can plug and play, mix and match, that even though some of them have injury issues like Kirilov, Larnik, you name it, um, they're going to be fairly well protected. Um, you know, Twins line up on September 1st. I don't even know it on June 1st. I'm not even sure May 1st. April 1st, who knows? My, my hope would be that they stay mostly healthy so that guys like Kyle Farmer and Donovan Solano are chomping at the bit to get in there more than twice a week. But there's just so much we don't know right now. So sorry, Sean, I hope that's not a cop-out. Um, and then Devlin. We'll finish with Devlin. He wants to know if we think making the change at trainer will have a positive impact. I do. Um, part of it is there's nowhere to go but up. So it'll be hard to know the effect until a couple years have passed, assuming he he stays a couple years because coaching staffs can be fickle that way. Garvin Alston was the pitching coach for a little while, and then it just kind of wasn't anymore. Um, then they brought in 
Wes Johnson, and he was solid and then decided to leave middle of the season. So I don't know if we'll have that two, three-year sample size to really get a feel for how much it helped. And part of it, too, like we talked about this, um, I don't remember if it was the crossover episode or what it was, but Paparazzi is coming over from Oakland, which was a young team. Do young teams get injured less? Cleveland got injured less. Was it because they were so young last year? Chicken and egg, that sort of thing. But I think the fact that they're trying something different and they targeted a trainer for a team that was relatively healthy last year is at least trying. It's taking a step in the right direction. Again, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Goes to show with Byron Buxton. It goes to show with how they've handled those guys this spring. I don't know. Jury is still out. But, um, you know, when Buxton's only played 100 games once in his career, even though he has a contract for $100 million, part of you is like, what do you have to lose by trying something different? So I do think that it will be a positive impact, whether that impact is by definition of it couldn't be any worse or it's an actual positive impact that we will see um, as fans. I, I think I think it's going to be a positive impact, but I think it's going to take a while for us to really get a feel for why it's positive, what made it positive. And for me, I'm a process guy too. Like the results matter. Wins and losses matter. But you can't just say we're going to go out and win. It's how are you going to score more runs in their team? How are you going to pitch better in the other team? And so the process that goes into that, the process that goes into staying healthy is, is, is complicated. It really is. So I'm curious, I'm excited and hopeful. All right. So the question for the road tonight, as we let you go, who do you think is more likely to be on the twins after the deadline, Max Kepler or Jorge Polanco? We did talk about Polanco for a minute and Kepler was on the trade block all off season long. Seems like he'd be the slam dunk answer. However, however, I think the Twins are deeper in the infield. So if you were trading from a position of strength, you'd probably be more apt to trade Polanco. Again, he's probably going to have more value as far as a, a trade chip. Um, but beyond that, I don't know. I mean... Kepler would feel like a slam dunk, but he didn't get traded this offseason when it felt like he was a slam dunk. And if he has another bad year, what's even going to be the point? Let him play it out and move on if nobody's going to give anything. So I'm not sure where I stand on that, but I'd love to hear from you in the comments if you think Max Kepler or Jorge Polanco is more likely to be a twin after the 2023 trade deadline. Now, with all that said, that is a wrap for this edition of Locked On Twins. Thanks for hanging out, and make sure you follow at Locked On Twins on Twitter, at Locked On M-I-N for Locked On Minnesota, and at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E, as you see on your screen if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe, give us five stars, like on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. I don't know. There's a lot of ways to get your podcasts, however you're getting them. If you can give us a review, we would be delighted. It helps us out so much on the charts and all that kind of stuff. So um, then hang out in the comments section with me, and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. So that's that's it. This is Brandon Warren signing off saying thank you so much, and don't forget to stop by Monday. Have a freaking weekend.